You're listening to A Slice of Therapy with me, Alan Parry. So in my professional life, I wear two hats. On the one hand, I'm a therapist working with people one-to-one. And on the other hand, I'm a therapist's coach. So I run a coaching academy for other therapists where I train them how to do trauma removal effectively. And in both of those roles where I talk about the removal of trauma, like, for instance, on my website at the moment, you'll find that there's a free course called Childhood Trauma Gone for Good. And when I preach that message about trauma being erased for good so that it never comes back, I very commonly get a particular objection that comes up a lot. And it basically, um, it's basically the objection that says, come off it, Al, that's too good to be true. And so I thought in this podcast episode, I would look at that objection that I would look at that um, that sense that so many people, and not just ordinary members of the public, but, but other therapists, will look at that claim and just dismiss it out of hand and say that it's not possible, that it's too good to be true. Now, what those people are saying, if you think of this from a scientific point of view, in terms of their view of the science of the matter is what they're essentially saying there is that whenever we suffer trauma and the trauma response is then encoded onto the brain pathway, that that brain pathway can never ever then be rewritten, that it's kind of locked for good and the brain kind of throws away the key and we're stuck with it. And so the best we can ever do is to try and manage the fact that that trauma response is there, but we can never actually eliminate it. We can never actually get rid of it. So scientifically, that claim of, well, it's too good to be true, is taking a stance that the way the brain works is that it writes a trauma response onto a brain pathway and you're stuck with it for good for the rest of your life. Something terrible could happen at the age of six, And you'll still have it at 96. Now, it's not an unreasonable assumption or an unreasonable claim for people to make. So when people are saying that it's too good to be true, that's essentially what they're saying. They're not saying it in those words, but that's their stance on the scientific truth of it. And it's not an unreasonable assumption because if you were to go back, say, 22, 23 years That is actually what the neuroscientists themselves thought. So for a long, long time, it was believed that actually trauma trauma removal was indeed too good to be true. That was the scientific consensus. It was believed that once you had the trauma, you were stuck with it. And so what therapists would try to do is to try and help people manage the trauma that they were stuck with so that it would have a limited impact on their life rather than a massive one. But the trauma would always be there according to the neuroscience. And so 
if you go back a quarter of a century, even a neuroscientist would be likely to say, come on now, Al, that's too good to be true. So it's understandable, really, that with something that has been the, the standard neuroscience view up to about 22 years ago, that many people also feel that it's too good to be true. And of course, our lived experience of trauma, it feels very entrenched, doesn't it? It's that there every single day. I remember one client saying to me at the very beginning of therapy, you know, I'm not going to be able to get rid of this completely because it's been around for 30 years. And so their assumption was that it's going to take at least 30 years to get rid of it again. But something happened that changed the view of neuroscience, the consensus view of neuroscience 22 years ago. And that was an experiment that revealed that in actual fact, trauma response can indeed be overwritten. So when people say it's too good to be true, what they're really echoing is an old-fashioned view of the neuroscience of how the brain works and how brain pathways work that contain traumatic response encodings. What happened 22 years ago is that there was an experiment done which actually demonstrated that, in fact, a trauma response could be overwritten and over it to such an extent that it never kind of returned. It was simply gone. Now, things happen in science all the time. There are all sorts of experiments, most of which are never replicated again. And the whole point of science is that you kind of demonstrate something. And then if it's true, you can just replicate that over and over again. And this is why scientists have this thing called peer review. So you publish your scientific paper and then other scientists then try and break it try and disprove it in this case with this particular experiment it's actually been replicated over 30 times in all of these different studies so it's not one of these things that's never been replicated like a lot of scientific experiments but it is being very robustly replicated so in terms of the strength of the science of this it's really really extremely strong now this process is called memory reconsolidation and so what that basically means is that the part of the memory called implicit memory which contains the trauma response has been shown to be rewritten so you can take that trauma response, you can make that brain pathway rewritable in a way that it wasn't previously thought possible, and then you do rewrite it. And the process of rewriting it overwrites the trauma response with something else. And this is the really profound thing, so that the old trauma response simply doesn't exist anymore. It's been overwritten with something else. Very much like if you had a cassette tape and you recorded over it, whatever was on that cassette tape is gone. 
And so this is a massive, massive breakthrough. It happened, like I say, about 22 years ago, and it's been replicated in over 30 different studies since then. So it is now the, the standard consensus view of these hardcore neuroscientists that the way the brain actually works is different to the way we used to think the brain works when it comes to trauma. What we now know is that while the brain does protect the traumatic response, after all, if something was significant emotionally, the brain wants to remember it because that will keep you safe going forward. But by the same time, it doesn't abandon its learning mechanism either. So in the past, it was believed that the brain pathway was locked forever and there was no way in. It would never be able to be rewritten. So you were stuck with the trauma. The way it works now, it's more like a combination safe. So it's hard to get into it, but there are distinct steps. And if you know the code, then that safe will open and you can change the contents. And so these experiments and demonstrations of memory reconsolidation prove really very robustly, as, as robustly as science can prove anything, the trauma can be overwritten, that you're no longer just stuck with it. And because it's overwritten, it's gone for good. I've got a recording of me when I was about five years old singing a George Formby song. It's very, very cute. But if someone records over that, it's gone. And there's no way for me to get that back. It's gone for good. And so the way I want you to think about your brain pathways, each brain pathway is, if you like, a separate cassette tape. And each of those cassette tapes can be overwritten. Now, our brains are wonderful things. And the way they work, basically, is that they pattern match. They're always looking for patterns. And what happens is they will pattern match in order to make a prediction. It needs to make a prediction. So our brains aren't reactive. Of course, they're responding to stimuli all the time. But what they do is they pattern match that stimuli. But the way that they use that stimulus is that they're looking to predict what's going to happen next. And based on that prediction, it will create a change physiologically. So, for instance, the example that I often give is if my muscles tighten in a particular way, my brain will pattern match that and think Alan is about to stand up. And so it will make physiological changes to ensure that it will send some blood to my head so that I don't faint when I stand up. If it simply reacted to me standing up, I'd faint every time that I did. But instead, it pattern matches those particular muscle movements that I'm not even consciously aware of and says, ah, I know what this is like. This is a prediction of Alan standing up. And so it plays that tape. And that tape then sends blood up into my head to ensure that I stay upright and don't faint once I've stood up. So if you think of this like a metaphor, like it's almost like your brain is this DJ with a whole library of cassette tapes. 
And so if pattern matches which cassette tape is needed, it makes a prediction based on, 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 on what information it's receiving from the outside world. And it says, ah, I, I see which one I need to play. So imagine this DJ, for instance, and there was a pattern match and it says, all oh, right, I, I, I need some kind of really upbeat music. And so it takes the cassette of Farrell Williams singing Happy and it plays that. And then the next moment it'll pattern match something and it'll say, ah, oh, okay, I know what music is needed here. And it'll say, I, I want some somber, more kind of downbeat music. So they'll put some radio head on. And so your brain is like this DJ just selecting each of these cassettes to play, except each of those cassette tapes in reality is a brain pathway. So the way it works is if something happens in your, ex, in your external world, in your situation at the moment, and your brain will pattern match it and say, ah, this is what it looked like when this bad thing happened when I was six years of age. And so the cassette tape it will play, the cassette tape that it is predicting that you need, is that trauma response. It grabs whatever is on that brain pathway and plays that. It takes that metaphorical audio cassette and plays that particular tune. And of course, that particular brain pathway will contain things like your heart rate will increase. You will start to sweat. You will feel panicky. All these things which are physiological changes, which is your body beginning to prepare you for either flight, running away, or fight, fighting off a predator. So in that moment, it's trying to keep you safe. And this is part of the trauma response pathway. Also in there is those kind of beliefs about yourself and others and the world. So everything that is useful to you in order to navigate a situation which is exactly the same as the one that you had and survived when you were younger. So when your brain notices something, and it might be mistaken, it sometimes is, our situations change, but they can have enough <clears throat> subtly similar about them that the brain goes, oh, I know what this looks like, and makes a prediction, which might well now be faulty, but it will make a prediction that that is like the traumatic event. And so it will grab, that DJ will grab that particular cassette tape and play it. What we now know in terms of the neuroscience that I explained is that we can overwrite that cassette. And so the brain will still reach out for the same cassette tape, will still reach out to the exact same brain pathway. But through this particular kind of psychotherapy, which seeks to trigger memory reconsolidation, seeks to trigger that overwrite mechanism that the brain already has, then you end up with a very, very different response. Now, the key thing to bear in mind here is that this thing that the neuroscientists call memory reconsolidation, it is actually innate. It is simply how the brain works. It doesn't belong to a particular field of psychotherapy or anything like that. It doesn't belong to me as a therapist. It belongs to all of us. Our brains simply work this way. It's kind of our birthright that we have a mechanism 
that allows us to override trauma, a learning mechanism that simply allows us to update the old situation with the new. And so just like if you were to shine a torch in my eyes, then my pupils, the size of my eye pupils would change. There are certain things that we can do simply because the neuroscience has been so clear on what the steps are that triggers memory reconsolidation. There are certain things that we can do as therapists that if we simply map our work to those steps, then the brain will just do that. In exactly the same way that if I needed to change the size of someone's eye pupils, I can just take the step of shining a torch directly into the eye, just as doctors do a lot when they're doing an examination, because they know the steps that that particular eye mechanism needs in order to change the pupil size. So as therapists who understand memory consolidation, and as a therapist myself who works according to the map of memory reconsolidation, all that I'm really doing here is following the steps that neuroscience has so robustly laid down in order to trigger something that's actually innate in you. It's innate in you. It's not something really that belongs to anything other than it's, it's how your brain already works. And so as a therapist... What my job is, as I see it, is to give the brain what it needs so that you can actually do your job that is innately part of you to actually update the trauma and overwrite it and update that learning mechanism. So the trauma response that you needed back then but no longer do need can be overwritten and make you make you be able to function much more like you want to do. But the key thing is that it's not an external thing that belongs to anyone. It's simply how your body works. It's simply how your brain works. And it's a mechanism that's built in for overwriting the trauma. My job as a therapist who has studied and understands the steps of memory reconsolidation is to ensure that when I'm working with you, that my key aim is to ensure that just like the light in the eyes that the doctor uses in order to trigger the mechanism of pupil size change, that I too will be using something similar so that my sole goal is to ensure that the thing that your brain naturally knows how to do when triggered is triggered to do that. And then the trauma overwrites. Now, very naturally, because we have an experience of trauma, an experience of living with trauma, and we know just how entrenched it is. And it's like that client said to me, you know, I've been living with this for 30 years, so presumably this is going to take 30 years to overcome. We can, we can believe that the more entrenched the trauma is, you know, like this happened to me at six and now I'm 51 kind of thing. That's 45 years of entrenchment just building a deeper and deeper groove. Or another metaphor I've, I've heard is that this started off as a small snowball, but it's been rolling down the hill, picking up speed for 45 years, and now it's a massive snowball. This is kind of how people experience trauma. 
And so the idea that something could trigger the brain to simply overwrite entrenched trauma, deep trauma, trauma with as big a capital T as you can come up with, just seems too good to be true. And yet, the brain has this mechanism. So if you think of the brain pathway again like an audio cassette, and imagine you've had this cassette for the past 45 years, and you've played it on the hour, every hour, every single day of your life. The contents of that feel entrenched. And yet, no matter how many times that cassette has played, it can still be overwritten in a moment. It can still be completely eliminated, the contents of that cassette, simply by overwriting it once. So I'd like you to think of it in that way because the neuroscience tells us that this is effectively how it works. So it doesn't matter what's on the pathway. All the entrenched trauma means is that that pathway is playing out. It's being triggered over and over and over and over and over again. Just like you might play a cassette over and over and over and over again. But still the process of putting something onto that cassette is still the same whether the cassette is played once or played a million times. It is the impact on you that feels entrenched. But on that brain pathway, what the neuroscience really clearly shows is that no matter how many times that brain pathway is played out for you, the process of writing onto it is still the same. And so one, when we trigger this mechanism that the neuroscientists are calling memory reconsolidation, it's very similar to overwriting an audio cassette. And you might have played it a million times, but if you overwrite that just once, it's gone and the old contents are not coming back. Now, the other thing that sometimes comes up is that people say, so this process means that you will eliminate all trauma forever. And of course, that does sound outlandish. But of course, that's not what we're saying. When you overwrite one cassette, it doesn't overwrite every cassette. And so let's say within your, your, your library, like I say, your brain is like a DJ. So let's say there are a handful of trauma responses. When I say a handful, there might actually be thousands of different events, especially with developmental trauma. But they'll often be going back to that. They're similar enough that they'll often be going back to the same cassette, if you like, to the same brain pathway. So let's say you have, say, half a dozen different cassettes. If we overwrite one of them, it still leaves a few more to deal with. But it's still the same process with those other ones. Now, the key thing is here, when I say that the trauma is gone for good, the trauma that we work with and we overwrite is gone for good. And then there might be some other ones that we then move on to as part of the therapy. But once we've actually overwritten each of those, then it is actually gone for good. And this is the key difference between this kind of psychotherapy. The other kind of psychotherapy leaves the trauma intact and just gets you to manage it just gets you to wrestle with it in more and more effective ways. But there's going to be the day, isn't there, where 
the trauma wins and then you're back to square one again blaming yourself because the trauma came back when really it's not your fault that the trauma came back the trauma came back because it was never erased and the only reason it wasn't erased is because that mechanism that is built into your brain called memory reconsolidation was never triggered if it had have been triggered your brain would have actually overwritten that old trauma response. So you simply didn't need to manage it anymore. Now, I mentioned big T trauma. Sometimes therapists talk in terms of big T trauma, little T trauma. I don't like to because in terms of the way the brain works, the brain doesn't make any distinction. This is a learning mechanism. And so even if the trauma that was suffered is really, really awful. The same learning mechanism takes place in terms of the response to that trauma. Now, bear in mind, the person will remember what happened. But what we're dealing with here and what gets in the way of life is the response to that trauma. And so even if what happened was really awful, the learning mechanism that the brain engages in when it overwrites the contents of brain pathways still works the same way. So it doesn't matter whether something was traumatic on a small scale or traumatic on a big scale. The way to actually erase that is to overwrite it, is to kind of take a piggyback on the brain's own natural inbuilt mechanism for updating these brain pathways. That thing that the neuroscientists Call memory reconsolidation. Now I'm going to close with another kind of metaphor here. Imagine if you came into your house one day and there was a full scale bear there, like a big grizzly bear, and it sees you and it starts to attack you. And thankfully, you managed to get out of the room that the bear is in. Shut the door and the bear's there clawing at the door because it knows you're there and it's trying to get you. And so you phone up the emergency bear patrol and you think these are the people that are going to help me. They're going to come and sort out this problem. So you phone them up and you say, there's a bear in my living room. I just walked in and I don't know how it got there, but uh, it's just started to attack me. I managed to get out of the door quick. Close the door behind me and uh, I thought I'd phone you. Come and collect the bear. You know, bring your net and your cage, take it back to the wild where it's going to be happier, where I'm going to be happier. Um, could you do that for me? And they said, oh, no, no, no. We're not going to do that. Instead, you come to us and we've got a course for you. And we're going to put you on a course. It's going to take many, many weeks, months, maybe, maybe even years. In fact, it might just be an ongoing life process that you have to learn this. But we're going to train you how to deal with the bear. And so you would naturally say, well, could you not just come and, and take the bear away? And the person on the other end says, no, we can't do that. No, that would be that would be too good to be true. What you're going to have to do is keep the bear for the rest of your life in your living room, in your house and just learn to wrestle it better. That there encapsulates the kind of philosophy of that 
old-fashioned therapy, of that old-fashioned view of how the brain works, which is now over a quarter of a century out of date. What you really want is some help at removing the bear. You don't want someone just to train you to keep wrestling with the bear. And yet that's what happens with so many forms of therapy. That your job is to just wrestle with this, place energy in this, do homework for the rest of your life, keep it up and consistently have this thing to deal with. What happens with memory reconsolidation is that the bear gets taken away. That there is no longer any trauma to wrestle with once you've actually worked on that particular aspect of trauma and it's been successfully reconsolidated, that particular bear is taken away. And so what you get is people saying, well, I remember that it happened. And part of me even feels like, you know, it would make sense for me to be feeling some sort of emotional response to it. But I simply can't find it. And so what we've done there once this work is complete, is broken the link between remembering the story of what happened to you and having this awful traumatic response that gets in the way of life. We don't just expect you to continue to keep on top of wrestling with the bear. Instead, we use an inbuilt mechanism that your brain already has to take the bear away. And so you'll understand that it can feel frustrating sometimes that people reject the very idea because it's too good to be true, because it is true. And so if you were someone who dealt with bears for a living and you knew that a good friend of yours or somebody that you knew in your community was having to fight a bear every day. And you said, well, I can help with that. I'll just come along and I'll take the bear away. And they said, no, that's ridiculous. That's too good to be true. And like I said, it's understandable to have this kind of scepticism. But the neuroscience on this is so solid that the brain, everyone's brain, even animal brains have this. Never mind your own. It is built in. It is built in. And so now that we know the steps to trigger the mechanism that your brain already has to overwrite this stuff, then that's the job of therapy as I see it. Not old-fashioned therapy, which is out of date by at least a quarter of a century, but the kind of therapy which knows and understands and applies the steps of memory reconsolidation which is simply how your brain already works. And all we have to do is to give it the environment and the circumstances and the steps to ensure that the brain does what it already knows how to do, which is to overwrite trauma so that that trauma no longer exists, is gone for good, and because it's gone for good, it can no longer come back. If you found this episode useful, please do share it so others can get the benefit as well. And if you'd like to work with me directly, 
I'm Alan Parry, and you can find out more about how I work at liverpoolpsychotherapy.co.uk. And of course, you don't have to be local to me because I work 100% online, so you can be based absolutely anywhere. Also, I want to let you know about a free video course that I've put together for you, and it's called Childhood Trauma Gone for Good. And it shows you how your trauma can now be completely eliminated. You can get that video series completely free. Just go to a sliceoftherapy.com forward slash free. And please subscribe to the podcast as well because this is free too. And it means that you'll never miss an episode again. So thanks for listening and I'll see you again on the next one.